Now, the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices, thus it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and a shadow of heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. Hebrews 8. Today we are starting a new series on spirituality And this very first one, we want to talk about ritual. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask this morning that you would empower us by your spirit for your mission. God, that you would open our ears to hear what you would speak to us. God, that you would help me to say the right words at the right time to the right people. And God, we ask today that when we hear your voice, that we would not harden our hearts. But instead, God, you would soften us and you would open us up to whatever you want to do in us today, Lord Jesus. Amen. You're stuck in a pattern. You are. Some might say a rut. Anyone ever feel like they're stuck in a rut? No one? Okay, we got some. We got some. Okay, thank you. Appreciate you interacting today. We all live our lives in a pattern or habits. And ritual is a big part of what makes us human, as it turns out. In fact, when I think of ritual, I think of the best day of my life. A little day back in 2007, in July 14th, right? This is dangerous. This is very dangerous. I didn't write it down. Where I went to a church, and I went through this ritual that got me married. Poor Aaron. And we exchanged vows, and we gave each other rings. Still have mine. I thought I lost it once, and I about had like a total freak-out meltdown, uh, because I'm very sentimental. Spirituality, ritual, is a big part of the many, many things that we do in our lives. We have the words, the rites, the vows. As we talk about spirituality in this month, I'm going to give you a spoiler. We are going to be talking about Christian spirituality. Anyone shocked? Okay, just checking. Because I firmly believe that in Jesus, we find the best way to be spiritual. There are lots of options in the world today for spirituality, aren't there? And because of the internet, they're all at our fingertips. 
If I want to know about Zen Buddhism, I can find out. And because I've looked at it on the internet, I'm obviously going to be an expert, right? Because if you look it up on the internet, you're an expert on it. But the truth is, we look at our society and our culture. Spirituality is a big deal. Um, and we find, even as in the world at large, or especially in America at large, church attendance is declining, the amount of people saying that they're spiritual is actually on the rise. I think in some ways, especially in evangelical Protestant Christianity, uh, we've, we've forgotten some of the deep spiritual practice that's a part of being a Christian. Because a lot of the things that are deeply spiritual in Christianity also happen to be a lot of work. Who here every morning wakes up and thinks, you know what, I'm going to fast today. I was just thinking, how could I not eat for a day or multiple days? This sounds like a great plan. Obviously, I'm not big on fasting. We are, we are filled with deep spiritual practice in prayer and meditation and communion and baptism, fasting, solitude. All these are a part of the greater Christian tradition if we choose to embrace them. And sometimes we find ourselves going outside of the Christian bounds to find spirituality because we have failed to engage in what Jesus has actually shown us is the way to truly be spiritual. So today I want to explore as we look at these ancient traditions of the Christian faith, I want to explore just the basic idea of ritual. Sometimes you say ritual and people, like that, that's like a trigger word. They're like, ah! Maybe you, you grew up in a very liturgical church and you remember being a five-year-old sitting and standing and sitting and standing and kneeling and standing. Uh, I went to Catholic middle school. I'm familiar. Um, and you're like, this, this whole idea of that kind of ritual was boring and I hated it. There's other rituals we have in our life that we hate. Uh, who here this year has renewed their driver's license? Gone down to PennDOT. You participated in a ritual that involves sitting in one set of seats, having your number called, talking to someone, sitting in another set of seats, getting your number called, going up, talking to someone, they take a picture. If you don't like it, they take another one. Actually, that's really great. They don't do that in California. And then you get a driver's license. It's a ritual. It's not a ritual that you love. Maybe you have a, well, my bad. Maybe you have a ritual morning commute where you drive to work and you use unchristlike words at everyone who cuts you off. Maybe that's one of your rituals that you hate. But we also have rituals that we love. I mentioned my wedding. I love weddings. Weddings are great to do as a pastor because typically people are very, very happy. Sometimes brides aren't, usually. Amber was. You were great to work with. You weren't. Uh, no. But weddings are significant to us. Funerals, although not always a joyous occasion, are something I think that a lot of people find very important and healing, that's an important ritual for us. People love ritual in church as long as it's the ritual that they like. You can think about that. It'll get to you later. You like whatever ritual you like. I like a good ritual of a summer barbecue 
where I invite a bunch of friends over and we swim in the pool and we grill. And, you know, if I don't watch carefully, Craig takes over the grill because he loves doing it. And, you know, all these, all these things that happen, like every year when me and my friends get together, for, it's, it really is a ritual because we do it the same way every time. And it's something that I love. So sometimes we love ritual, sometimes we hate ritual, but we all live lives of ritual. And Christian spirituality is deeply ritualistic, even in an urban church in an old bank. You know, we have a vault and some holes in the wall, but we have our own rituals that we do every week, don't we? And so in Hebrews 8.5, the author of Hebrews says this. They serve a copy. So I saw these different rituals that happened before. They serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. You can't read this passage and not realize that God often works in rituals. I mean, maybe you're, you're a brave soul and you've read like the Old Testament and the, the boring books. Can I admit that? Okay, yeah. The boring books where there's all the law laid out. And you're like, wow, God wanted things done in a very particular way. And so this passage here in the, in the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, if you, you're not familiar with it, is a book in the New Testament written to a, a church of Jewish Christians, and we don't really know who wrote it. Uh, in fact, that's a fun debate to get into um, if you're a theology nerd. Uh, if you are, you can talk to me afterwards, and I will tell you uh, what lady I think wrote the book of Hebrews. And they're writing it. And we have this discussion right before this passage we read. It's talking about how Jesus is the great high priest in the order of Melchizedek, which is fun to say. That he's a better high priest. And it goes into this chapter talking about how things are a shadow of the earthly things and how all this old covenant stuff is connected to Jesus and how God does things in a certain way considering that Jesus is a better high priest. And then we consider that if God said to Moses, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain, if God works in ritual, well, I want to let you know something today. You're made in the image of God. If you didn't know that, this is good news. You are made in the image of the triune God. When he made you, he said, I'm making you in my image. I think it's funny then that we're surprised that ritual sometimes resonates with us. Of course, rituals do something spiritually in us because God often works in rituals and you are made in his image. And this passage sets the foundation for the rest of the book of Hebrews because we, we could talk about here how Jesus is the better high priest and how we're supposed to make everything according to the pattern in the mountain and they, how these are a copy and a shadow of heavenly things. And then we start to understand that God's patterns represent his character. 
God has patterns because they represent his holiness, his set-apartness from, from us. And then the book of Hebrews continues. In chapter 9, it takes all of this stuff. and says, by the way, you, you made in the image of God, who as Jesus is a better high priest, you have redemption through the blood of Christ. All, the, all these things are true. If God's character is shown to us to be true in the patterns by which he has acted in the past, then we can know that because of Jesus was the great high priest who died for us on the cross, that we can be redeemed through his blood. And then if we know we're redeemed through his blood, chapter 10 goes on to say, you can have assurance of your faith. And then the famous Hebrews chapter 11, which is called the Faith Hall of Fame, and he, and he starts laying out how all this faith was lived out by these different Old Testament saints. This huge, long passage, and I, I read it all to you, but we have to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, I am aware that's today. Uh, I don't care, but I'm aware. <laughs> all of this is all surrounded by this idea that God's patterns exist to show his character. So it shows the character of Jesus, the great high priest. It shows the character of our complete redemption in Jesus, the character of how assured we can be in our faith and how others have lived that out. And how all these things in the Old Testament, all these spiritual things that God instructed Israel to do were a shadow of things going on in heaven. And I want to jump a little bit from Hebrews to a book called Revelation. And we're not talking about the apocalypse, people. Ain't no one got time for that. A lot of people don't realize that a lot of Christian practice, a lot of the rituals by which we do church, whether that's in, in a church like ours or even in the very old denominations, your Orthodoxy, your Catholics, all of this Christian practice mainly comes from the book of Revelation. Because in the book of Revelation, John, the apostle, has a vision of things going on in heaven. Spiritual things that we don't really completely understand. And so the church, especially the early church, starts taking these things that John sees. This is the way that it will be done in heaven. Well, then this is, maybe this is the way we should be doing it in the kingdom of God here now on earth presently. Reminds me of a prayer somewhere that Jesus prayed, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Something like that. Maybe you've heard that before. Most Christian ritual practice is found in the book of Revelation, like candles in church. Ours aren't real. Y'all can't be trusted. Uh, we learned that last year on Christmas Eve. Ticked over candles everywhere. Revelations 4.6 says, hey, by the way, this is talking about something going on in heaven. Seven flaming torches burn in front of the throne of God. So we really should get flaming torches. That'd be pretty sweet. Craig, get on it. Excellent. Things like altars in church, in whatever context that looks like in different, different types of churches. Revelations 8.3 talks about how an angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar before God. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. 
Having some guy stand up and lead church? Well, that's in Revelations 4.4. The elders sat dressed in white garments. I need some white garments. <laughs> Again, you go to a more liturgical church, that is really what they wear, right? You ever notice they're in those white robes? That's why they're in white robes. Preaching. Liturgy of the word, if you want to get liturgical about it, is, it talk, is referred to in Revelation 5.1. I'm running out of breath here. And I saw the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break the seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I wept much that there was no one found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Then the elders said to me, Weep not, lo, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, is conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. The church has taken that as to say, Jesus has opened up the scriptures to us, so we need to open them up to you. Prayer. Man, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, can I summarize some of these? That cool? Okay, thank you. Revelation 5, 7, it was prayer. It's talking about the bowls of incense that they bow down before Jesus. Songs of worship, Revelation 15, 3, up in the heavens, there are all these people in front of God and Jesus saying, great and wonderful are thy deeds, O Lord God Almighty. Things like, oh, by the way, I mentioned the standing, kneeling, standing, kneeling. It's a good workout. Oh, my knees, hear those pop? Uh, Revelations 5.14, and the elders fell down and worshipped. Communion, Eucharist. In Revelations 19.6, at this part, that the end of it all says, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Even amen is in Revelation. Because in Revelation 5.14, the four living creatures say amen. You, you try. Amen. You've just engaged in a ritual. Good job. Maybe, uh, my other favorite ritual, of course, is Easter, uh, where I say, he is risen, and you guys mostly know how to say, if you don't, now you know the ritual, so you won't be surprised at Easter. <laughs> ritual is not bad, and sometimes, especially in evangelical Protestant Christianity toward our end of things, uh, people are, are kind of like, oh, well, you know, I don't want all the, the rituals of church, I, I just want, I, I want to an encounter with Jesus, which is good. But they don't realize that even in doing that, they are engaging in a ritual. It's just a different ritual. Do you know what most people, what ritual people think is bad? It is the ritual that they do not like. Make sense? The ritual that you think is bad is the ritual that you don't like. So, obviously, the rituals that make up the liturgy of Element Church are rituals that I think are good. Right? So I'm not going to pick the ones I think are bad. Pretty simple logic experiment there. We are a church. We, us people, it's not a building. You know, we talk about that a lot. It's not, it's not a building. It's not the concrete port here. Something special about that. But the church is us. So the church, us, we have rituals. In fact, I would argue that what church really is, is a community of believers in Jesus living in a pattern or a ritual that reflects the character and mission of Jesus. We are a community. We are people in relationship with each other who know each other and who love each other or at least tolerate each other. 
We have to, we have to love even if we don't like. That's one of the, the things we have to remember. We, we are a community. But we're to be living our life in a pattern that reflects who Jesus is. So the different rituals that make up our life, whether that's something very spiritual like a church service, or it's your ritual commute in the morning, or it's getting your driver's license at PennDOT, or it's taking your 15-minute break at work. The rituals that make up your life are meant to be lived in community and to reflect the character and mission of Jesus. So Sunday, our liturgy, it's important. The rituals by which we do church are important and meaningful if we let them be. And they need to be biblical. And they need to be connected to the totality of Christian worship throughout the millennia. You know what's just important as your Sunday liturgy? Your Monday through Saturday liturgy. Your Monday through Saturday rituals by which you live your life. Because those also need to be biblical, reflecting the character and mission of Jesus connected to the totality of Christian spiritual practice throughout the millennia. So as we continue through this series this month, we're going to be hitting different parts of Christian worship. And not just how and why we engage in those on Sunday, although I believe that's important and significant, but how also do we take each of these practices of Christian spirituality and take them into Monday through Saturday? There's 167 hours of your week that you don't spend here. And they need to be worship. Why? Because they serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. Your Monday serves as a copy and shadow of heavenly things if you let it. Whatever you do, wherever you are, and whoever you meet, live your life in a pattern that reflects the character and mission of Jesus. And see that you make everything in your life according to the pattern that God